Jimmy Deans. Is there a shortage of the Jimmy Deans sausage egg and biscuit sandwiches? I mean, if you're a fan of the cereal Grape Nuts, you know the Grape Nuts shortage was a real thing. Although we were intensely interested, and yet we never bothered to find out if at the exact same time of the Grape Nuts shortage, if there was a Grape Nuts flakes shortage, because there's a lot of backlash against Grape Nuts. There's no grape or nuts in Grape Nuts, but Grape Nuts has a lot of fans. But even Grape Nuts fans hate Grape Nuts flakes. So both fans and non-fans of Grape Nuts are saying there's no grape or nuts or Grape Nuts in Grape Nuts flakes. We like Grape Nuts flakes. So it would stand to reason that there was no shortage of Grape Nuts flakes, but we never bothered to check. Unlike our scientific check, the one store we looked at has been sold out of the Jimmy Dean's sausage sandwiches. Oh, oh, we can't say that. They're not a sponsor. Jimmy Dean's presents the yearbook. I'm your host, Doug. And so the first weekend of the 2020 Division One AA football season goes in the books. Not a typo. Some Division I AA football teams played their 2020 seasons last fall, actually in 2020, and some have completely opted out. We're not going to be seeing those teams again until next fall. But many more are playing their 2020 seasons right now in 2021. Like the big schools last fall, this winter slash spring is supposed to feature an abbreviated regular season followed by, in this case, the NCAA playoffs. That's a whole other podcast. In fact, I think we've done that whole other podcast that the NCAA does not run the top profitable level of college football, but every other level the NCAA runs. So we will be seeing NCAA sanctioned playoffs this spring. As we pretty much expected, this revolution was not televised. A scan last weekend of the many, many, many outlets that broadcast college football showed they all opted out in favor of other sports. So here's the thing we've been wondering, literally since the second this spring season was first proposed. College football has become a multimedia Saturday sensation with games from various levels of the sport dominating Saturday TV. Bowl games, even the ones that I thought would only be interesting to me. Bowl games, they all get decent ratings. Football is the nation's biggest sport and the king of sports TV. But what happens when the king of sports TV only sends out the glamorless teams? Then what happens? Would anybody watch? Would anybody televise it? Granted, if ESPN or FS1 nationally broadcast a game between two highly regarded, highly ranked 1AA schools, the ratings would probably be terrible. But 1AA schools can't get famous if TV's not interested, and TV's not interested if 1AA schools aren't famous. Plus, long, long ago, major print outlets just stopped doing preseason previews of 1AA teams, and there are very rarely stories about players at 1AA schools. As far as the media is concerned in a lot of cases, at best, there's an enormous canyon between Division 1A and Division 1AA, and at worst... Division One AA just doesn't exist. So it's not the one AA school's fault that they're glamorless. So college football is so huge in the fall, but will anyone actually care in the spring with not the famous schools playing? After one weekend, we do have a handful of answers. One was the default answer that broadcast platforms aren't necessarily ignoring spring college football. Their time is just already committed to the NBA, hockey, college basketball, etc., Another answer that did come last weekend was you're going to need to upgrade whatever service you have to see a lot of these games. And then there's the result 
of the dozen or so games that were played last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Football did make headlines about the NFL draft, folks, but it's true. Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com to contact us. You don't need to ask us where to find it because uh, clearly you're listening. Well, you're probably not really listening. So a guy named Kevin Mather, the Seattle Mariners team president. This is just kind of on in the background. The Seattle Mariners team president, he talks to the Rotary Club. Kevin Mather says the Mariners don't expect to be good this year either. But then Mather hinted that the Mariners still won't be adding their top minor league talent to their opening day roster. Then Mather just came out and said the Mariners did the exact same thing last season, saying, quote, there was no chance you were going to see these young players at T-Mobile Park, end quote. The significance is players have to be on a major league roster for a certain amount of time before they're eligible for free agency. Mather hinted at and admitted that Seattle is keeping players stashed away in the minors, no matter how good they are, just to delay their free agency for as long as possible. Mather hinted at and admitted that a player hitting 900 in the minor leagues won't get promoted because that would eventually cost the Mariners money. That's like the one thing that every player contract rule is designed to prevent a team deliberately burying and forgetting about players to keep them from ever making money or leaving. The equivalent would be uh, at your job, your company, or wherever you work saying, you could really help us out. You are really going to help this place out a lot. You're really talented, but we're going to keep you on the first floor and not promote you until you're 60, a year before we fire you. Mather gave the players' union the kind of presentation they never, ever could have hoped for. Major League Baseball has cheaped out on salaries. They just eliminated minor league jobs, and players are being pushed out of the league while they're still young. All while MLB, under normal circumstances, non-COVID, makes more money than they ever have in their history. Despite that, the players' union doesn't seem to be winning the public relations war with the owners. You know, billionaires, the players, versus billionaires, the owners, spit spot, tip top, boys will be boys. Am I right up top? But here comes Mather, who has resigned. If his rotary comments don't turn the table toward the players, they should. Mather was not the Mariners' general manager, the person who trades and acquires players. But he was a high-ranking member of the front office who had a say in the team's direction. And in one speech, he suggested and confessed that the team is not competing on purpose. And if that wasn't enough, Mather also threw in some insults about specific Seattle players. Obviously, Lots of teams look like they're trying to avoid paying players by gaming the system, but now the players' union has it on the record. Dabinia and Marta, great names, showed out against the United States last Sunday in the She Believes Cup, which is a real women's soccer tournament, but if you're only into World Cup soccer, it doesn't count. It doesn't affect qualifying at all. Anyway, Brazil's women's soccer stars Dabinia and Marta absolutely proved, again, they're great in the loss to the U.S., and they are all ours. And by ours, I mean both play pro ball in the United States in the National Women's Soccer League. These two are actually literally world-class, and they're playing here by choice, which is cool because the NWSL is maybe world-class, or maybe it isn't, and what the market will bear has changed. The economics of TV have changed, Steve. 
there's now some money in women's soccer. So there could be maybe competition among elite leagues all over the world to hire the best players. And the NWSL could potentially fall behind in the arms race or maybe they won't. I mean, we take it for granted. It's, it's a weird thing to say. We take it for granted in other leagues that the North America just gets the best players. In baseball, they get the best players. In the NBA, all the best players in the world want to play here. In the NHL, most of the world's best players are here. The KHL, the Continental Hockey League, has been in the past and present, uh, has been some competition. But the NHL, for the most part, gets the best players. But American pro soccer, at least in recent years, has had to claw its way back from a second-class, lower-division reputation. So it's just it's just really, I don't know, it's just really cool to see players who could potentially play anywhere actually play here. Now, obviously, they're playing here for whatever reason, including they're getting paid. It's not their, uh, their love of, uh, you know, all 50 states that they're here, but still, they could be anywhere and some of the best uh, are here. So it's always cool to see the world's best players come here. Although, by always cool to see the world's best players come here, I mean, what am I talking about? They've been here. Dabinia and Marta have been in the NWSL for the last four years. And Marta's been playing in the U.S. for at least half of the last 12 years. So this subject, this is a story we should have done literally in our very first podcast. 